So we continue our sermon series on living in Christ's light because there's a, once again, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul talks about us being children of light. And so um, I um, am really I'm very excited to be able to, once again, continue to learn something more from the Apostle Paul and from 1 Thessalonians. So um, I, I want to share something with you this uh, before we get started. Um, this, uh, actually in, in the spring and March, I have a chance to be able to go back to the Holy and I have 108 people going with me. Isn't that amazing? That's fantastic. I'm very excited about that. And so um, I, um, I, I went to James Ridgway because I, I really love Paul and I appreciate his teaching and what we find in in the, in, the, in the New Testament. And so I'd always wanted to go to be able to go and to um, follow Paul's footsteps. And so I'm actually, there's some brochures out there. And so this fall, I'm actually gonna go take a tour. And this is actually, I don't know, does anybody like to cruise here? And so there are some, this is actually a cruise. And so we're gonna go and follow Paul's footsteps. So in the spring, I'm gonna follow um, we're going to follow Jesus's footsteps, and some of us, if you'd like to go with me, um, there is um, there's some brochures out there in their narthex, and I want to Im- invite you to go. Maybe you might be interested in going journeys of Paul, the second and third missionaries, and so we have that for us as we think about um, later on this year. So, let me begin by uh, reading our scripture lesson today, and I love this. Um, by the way, the title of my sermon is "You um, You Can uh, Talk the Talk, But Are You Willing to Walk the Walk?" Hear these words from. Um, 1 Thessalonians, and uh, beginning with the third chapter, beginning with the sixth verse. This is uh, Paul encouraging Timothy. But Timothy um, has just now come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. He has told us um, also that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, just as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, during all our distress and persecution, we have been encouraged about you through your faith. For we now live if you continue to stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see your face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may, be, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in the love for one another and for all just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ with all the saints. Chapter four. And finally, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you learn, learn from us how you ought to live and to be pleasing to God, as in, in fact, you, as you are doing, you should do so more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Uh, thanks be to God. Amen and amen. So um, I had this kind of little thought, um, actually it came to me um, uh, yesterday morning about three or four o'clock in the morning. So here's my little thought. And this would be basically, let me just start here because if you wanna look at First Thessalonians, especially when we look at the second and third chapters, there's a theme there. And, and the first theme has to do with the word and the word is pleasing and has to do with pleasing, pleasing to, okay? So that's the first word. So the second word, if you go and look to First Thessalonians, the second chapter, the key word there is the word worthy, and it has to do with the word being worthy of, 
and has to be worthy of God. So then we have, and then I started thinking about, okay, so then maybe, what, and the, the key, one of the key themes that we have in Thessalonians is the word faithful. So then I started thinking about, and this came to me, and I said, okay, so we have the word faithful at top, and we draw this line right here, and we have the word pleasing and the word worthy. And I, these are the two key, key words that we're going to focus on the word uh, this morning is the word pleasing and worthy. And the crossroad of all this is a guy by the name of Jesus Christ. Can I be on that? So this is where we're headed today in this text and our scripture lesson, the word pleasing and worthy of and, and being faithful this morning as we dive into the text this morning. So my, um, my beloved wife um, is always communicating with all five of her children. She is a mother. And so one of our children has moved all the way out to California. He's an engineer, and we're grateful Logan's got a really good gig. And it's always great when you, all your children actually move away and they get a good gig. This is a beautiful thing. And, and, so, um, and so he's uh, working for a company. He's in designing, um, he's a mechanical engineer. He's in di- and, uh, um, uh, designing heart catheterizations. So um, he got an apartment. And so, um, and so Donna wanted to know how he was decorating his apartment. And so um, evidently he went out, bought some furniture recently. And so, um, and so here's, the, here's the picture of, of Logan's uh, brand new kitchen um, dining room table. And, and, so, and it's even got the orchid there. It's beautiful. I think his girlfriend helped him kind of pick that out. And I, I really, I, what I thought was really interesting when I saw that picture was I thought this looks like something that was right out of the 1960s. And, and, and so it started, I, then I started thinking about, you know, here's the interesting thing. If any of you all have some of the same furniture that you had from the 1960s, guess what? Your stuff is actually in style again. This is a beautiful thing, right? But isn't it funny how like things are in style and then they fall out of style. They're in vogue and then they're not in vogue. They're, they're trendy and then they're not trending or trendy anymore. And so then I started thinking this week, you know, I, I mentioned to you all um, a couple, well, a week or so ago about, and I talked about in my sermon about Damar Hamlin, who actually died in front of millions of people in the middle of Monday Night Football. It was a, just an amazing thing, and they brought him back to life, and, and Damar Hamlin is doing just uh, doing remarkably well. He is, um, actually, I think he's been released from the hospital, he's back home, and he's recovering, and we're grateful for that. And one of the things I, I thought was really interesting as we kind of watched that whole thing evolve is that, you know, and I mentioned to you all that people were praying for Damar Hamlin and it was just kind of like this wave across America. People all over the world were praying. And I mentioned that, you know, when the commentators, when that all happened, they didn't know what else to do and what else to say other than all we can do is pray. Matter of fact, I found this picture on the internet this week, and it was called, and it says Dar Hamlin, um, and then Strong, and then it says hashtag praying for Damar. So this was just an amazing thing. And then I started thinking to myself, okay, well, that was last week. What about this week? I mean, so is prayer one of those things that it's like trending this week or last week, but then it's not trending this week? Or is it, is it in vogue last week, but it's not in vogue this week? Or is it in style last week, but it's not in style this week? And we just kind of move on. And so then I got this, this email from someone, it's either email or a text, and I thought this was a really interesting kind of perspective because um, I don't know if you remember this guy, but about 10 years ago, he played in the NFL, and his name is, can you put that picture up? This guy's name was Tim Tebow. 
And so Tim Tebow was actually praying long before what happened last week. Matter of fact, guess what? He was criticized for him doing what he did openly about his openly, about how open he was about his faith. And so I thought this was a really interesting post that was um, written by a guy named David Allen Kurtz who was sent to me. He says, now that Damar Hamlin is breathing on his own and talking to his family and doctors, let's talk about what many of us are thinking. ESPN, NFL, and the sports writers owe Tim Tebow apology. Don't shun and mock Tim Tebow for kneeling to pray and, find, and then finding yourself on, or one of your own in a crisis. Find prayer in Christ. Accept faith and prayer and don't ridicule those who do it. Now, I thought that was really interesting perspective because this is where, when you think about um, the Apostle Paul and the teachings that we find and our faith, once again, it has to do with the thing. Is, is things, we look at things, are they in vogue? And so Paul is saying, listen, our life in Jesus Christ and our prayer life in Jesus Christ and our discipleship in Jesus Christ and our belief in Jesus Christ, is it something that's, well, is it just trending this week? Is it in vogue or is there something much more deeper? Is it embedded into our DNA? Is it embedded into our daily journey and our, our daily life? And so this is what we find that Paul is encouraging these people, his, his fellow Christians and, and the, the Thessalonians, he's encouraging them to hold true and to hold true to their faith and to be steadfast in their love for Jesus Christ and steadfast in their faith. And so this is what we find in Thessalonians. And it's not just about something that's kind of trending one week or it's in vogue one week or it's in style one week. No, he says this is what should be embedded in your life. You know, as I was reflecting upon this this week, and I, I love what the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, and he says, once again, he talks about, um, he says, hey, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you're not ready for it. So in other words, he's talking about, listen, you know, I, I, I hope, you know, you're still, you're still on milk, but you should be feasting on meat and potatoes. I love what Eugene Peterson, how he put it in, in the message. He says, this is Paul talking. He says, but for right now, friends, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You're, re you're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Well, then I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more as long as you grab for your, what makes you feel good or makes you look important. Are you really much different? than a babe at the breast, content only when everything is going your way, Paul. Man, that, that hits you right between the eyes, doesn't it? So what Paul's talking here says, do you want to just live a life that's shallow? Do you want to live a life of depth? And so if, if, if our faith is based on what's trending this week, 
or what's in vogue this week or what's in style this week. That's a pretty shallow faith. And as Paul puts it, you're like a babe. I mean, think about our lives. And I think about my own personal life. And I, uh, you know, over the last 30, 35 years, you know, I, I, where I was 35 years ago is kind of a babe and, and still, you know, kind of developing and maturing. And I feel as if I've made some strides over the last 35 years in my life. And you too can, but it's, it's hard work to be a Christian. It's hard work to be committed to your prayer life. It's hard work to be able to be, you know, committed to discipleship and, and, and doing what we do as Christians. And But we don't do it in vain. And that's one of the reasons why Paul is writing back to the Thessalonians. He even talks to me. He says, I, I hope and pray that all that work and all that I poured into you, it's not just a work in vain. And Jesus has, you know, this is a great thing about when you look at the teaching of Jesus and his, how he, he related to people. And you've heard, heard me share about, like, for example, when the woman at the well, um, we only have this story in the Gospel of John. And what's powerful about that story, you go back and do your research, it's all part of how Jesus is trying to get the woman at the well to go deeper. Because when he first shows up at the well, he says to the woman, he says, hey, listen, can you give me something to drink? And then she says to him in kind of a curt way, why do you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for something to drink? In other words, it just, that was unheard of. You just didn't do that. And then the next thing you know, um, Jesus says, well, why don't you, um, he refers to her, her husband. And then she says, well, I, I don't have a husband. And he says, well, you know, that's really not the right answer. You've had five husbands and the guy that you're shacked up with really is not your husband. Jesus had a way to hit you right there too, right? And then she says, you ready? Are you a prophet? And then at the very end of the whole thing, as Jesus continues to reveal who he is about living water, I love the way John rolls that story out. But by the time you get to the end of the story, you know what the woman says? He says, could he really be the Messiah? Oh man, that is brilliant. And so what I love about that story, it's, it's the depth that Jesus, and that's a classic illustration of how, because Jesus starts out in the woman's eyes just of being a Jew, then all of a sudden, well, maybe he's a prophet, and then maybe he's really the real deal. He is the Messiah. Isn't that great? And so you could just see and kind of, as you read that story, you can see everything kind of click in the woman's in her head as Jesus is trying to get her to go deeper, right? And this is the beautiful thing. Jesus is always wanting us to go deeper. He wants our faith and our love for him to be entrenched in our DNA. And it's not just what's trending this week. It's not just something that's cool this week. It's not something that's in vogue this week. It's not something that's in style this week. It should be a part of who we are. You know, when there's a story where Jesus, um, there's this woman caught in adultery, right? They bring her, throw her at her feet, and then Jesus says, ye without sin cast the first stone. And they all leave, starting with the oldest to the youngest. Drop their rocks. And then Jesus looks at her and says, who's left to condemn you? And then she says, well, no one, Lord. And then Jesus says, neither do I. Go sin no more. Do you see how Jesus is trying to get her to go deeper? Once upon a time, Jesus is in the upper room. And Jesus does amazing thing in the gospel of John. We only found this story in the John. We, 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 and John, you don't have the, the Eucharist part of the story. You don't have Jesus taking the, the bread and, and breaking the bread and giving the wine and talking about the new covenant. We have that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but not in John. 
You know what we have in John? Foot washing. And so Jesus goes around, he's beginning to wash the disciples' feet, and he gets to Peter. And Peter says, no, 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 you can't wash my feet. No, 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 yeah, how, no, no, no. And then he says, and then Jesus says, I have to wash your feet. And he says, well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my head and wash everything, right? And so, and Jesus basically says, you just don't get it, Pete. You just don't get it. And so when, even then, Jesus is trying to get his disciples to go deeper because what he shows and reveals to them is the, the simple truth of what it means to be a servant. And to love Jesus is to be a servant for him. Do you see how this all kind of connects together in the life and times of Jesus Christ? And Jesus is always trying to get us to go deeper. And it's not just what's trending this week. It's not just what's in style this week. It's not what is in vogue this week. It's a part of who we are. I don't know if you watched football last night, but the Jaguars won a game, which was amazing. I, I've got, we've only got one Jaguar fan. This is great. <laughs> and, and so what was amazing about that game last night, it was the third greatest comeback in NFL playoff history. They were down, the Jaguars were down 27 points. And so it was like uh, the tail of one half and the second half. It was just an amazing journey. And so I watched the whole thing, and they ended up winning the last second of the game. Now, I don't know if you all watched the detail to it very end, because it was all, like it was till 11.30. But the kicker who kicked the winning field goal, as they're, and this is the last shot, as they, were, as they were going off the field and they were transitioning from the football game into, I don't know, maybe they're going on to the news, I went to bed. But the last shot was his, the teammates carrying the kicker off the field. And the kicker, I don't know if you watched this, but I, I got the detail. He was pulling his necklace off. And I think, oh, this is unusual. <coughs> and as he was pulling the necklace off, you can see him holding up and what's on the necklace across. Guess what? Jesus was trending last night. Jesus was in style last night. Jesus is in vogue last night as that kicker holds that necklace up. So um, I, I love this because um, Jesus um, and the Apostle Paul talks, and I, I put this up here a minute ago, about what, what it means to be pleasing to God. Faith, being faithful to God, and Paul's taught context of the Thessalonians and pleasing to God. And, and the third chapter, he, or the fourth chapter, it's actually the fourth chapter, the second verse, he talks about being pleasing to God. Now, uh, as I think about that, you know what? Trying to please God is not always an easy thing to do. Now, here's another thought. Trying to please, be a people pleaser. By the way, I'm a people pleaser. I, 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 I know what, but try to please 3,000 people and be a senior pastor of this church. Good luck on that, right? But, you know, here's the interesting thing. Um, Paul encourages us, you know what? We may not always be able to please everybody, but Paul says our mission in life is really about pleasing God. Can we amen on that? I, I love that. So then I had asked myself, okay, so, you know, uh, what's trending? So maybe a 10, 15 years ago, you might remember, and maybe you had, matter of fact, I, I preached a sermon last night, and one of my friends uh, said, I, and he pulled out his bracelet, and he talked about W, I talked about WWJD, right? What does WWJD represent? What would Jesus do, right? You all know that. Maybe you got a t-shirt. Maybe you have a, one of those net, you know, little bracelets, and so that went on for years and years and years. And matter of fact, one of our people had one of those bracelets on last night. And so that was trending. And so I started thinking about, you know what? I went on the internet this last week and I wanted to see if I could find a t-shirt. And the t-shirt said, pleasing God, question mark. 
I couldn't find one. I thought, you know what? Maybe that could might have potential, right? I mean, if, if you think about pleasing God, I mean, would they think about what be what would it be a great thing if we were trending something like that? If we woke up every single morning, can you imagine if we could wake up every single morning and say, Lord, thank you for another day. And today I'm devoting my life to please you. Do you think that we could move the needle in a positive direction if we could do that? So, you know, here's the interesting thing. I struggle with that. And maybe you struggle with that. For example, um, last, this come, last, last Monday, I was invited um, by um, Bishop, uh, we got a brand new bishop, Bishop Berlin. Matter of fact, he was here on our campus yesterday morning. We had a chance to welcome him. Um, he was, um, our, some of our clergy from our district came to welcome him. It was a, a really nice time. And, but I was invited along with some other clergy to meet him on Monday morning to have a dialogue with him. It was really, really powerful. So here's the kicker though, is that um, I left plenty of time. But you know, do you realize that the traffic around the villages has become a little bit more intense? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it took me like a half an hour just to get out of town, right? So this put me behind, and so then, um, and so I'm going to Lakeland, Florida. And if you've ever been to Lakeland, Florida, there's it's, and you go go through Webster. Maybe you've been to Webster where their flea market is. And so guess what? That is a two lane road. Guess what happens? I get behind two semis that are carrying two double wide two, two double wide trailers. Yes, and I followed them for 35 miles. <laughs> Could not get around them. No way. Oh, yes. Ooh. And you know how patient I am. And, and, and so, and I, I was literally, I was so frustrated. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late for the bishop. And I was late for the bishop because I got behind these stupid semi-trailers and I was screaming. Now, I was screaming at the truck drivers, but they couldn't hear me. I mean, I, but I had to stop on myself. Am I really pleasing God? <laughs> am I really pleasing God when... Maybe when I've been short with my wife. Am, am, I, really, am I really pleasing God? Um, a week, couple of weeks ago, um, New Year's, I was down and I was actually went down to my wife's church at Lake Panasofi to encourage her and to hear her preach. And then we had gone to two cars and I was coming back and I got off the off ramp there near Wildwood at the wild exit. And then I, I get off and then there's the Wendy's and then there's that pornographical store on the right hand side. And I, but here's the interesting thing. I saw two couples. So I'm, I'm walking out the doors of a church on Sunday morning and I'm watching this couple walk into a porn store on Sunday morning. And I find myself, am I judging them? And when I judge people, am I be pleasing to God? I mean, haven't we all kind of, once again, kind of fallen into that when we think about our relationship? And so what Paul's encouraging us, and he says, you know, it's, it's not about what's trending this week. It's not about what's in vogue this week. It's not about, um, it's not what's in style this week. He's, Paul says, this is, should be a part of who you are and a part of your DNA, pleasing God. So what's very interesting, and um, so Paul, you know, have to ask yourself, so was Paul really pleasing God? And, um, well, let me put it this way. Was Saul pleasing God? And the answer to that question was the answer is definitely no. And we all know the story. I shared part of it with you last week. You know, um, Saul was notorious. He was, um, matter of fact, can you put that uh, map up about Damascus? And so here's why I shared this with you all last week. And so once again, um, so Paul is down in Jerusalem. Um, he is trying, uh, once again, he's... Um, uh, he's a, a Pharisee. 
Uh, he is completely sold out on, on the traditions and the Torah. He is a Jewish leader, and he volunteers to go all the way up here to Damascus. And, and, and that's 100, by the way, that's 145 miles, as I shared with you all last week. And then why would he go all the way up here to Damascus and make that big, long trip? Because I shared with you all, because he's trying to make a name for himself. He's trying to promote himself. And so what's very interesting about that is that, you know, um, on that road, um, Jesus speaks to him, knocks him down, and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, and so that got Saul's attention. By the way, um, before that, Saul was so intentional on killing the early Christians and I don't think I shared this with you all this week, but you know, the first Christian, the first martyr is a guy named Stephen. And so do you know, do you remember how he died? Stoning. And I don't know if you realize this, but I shared this with maybe a, maybe a couple of years ago, but when you would stone someone, stoning someone wasn't just throwing rocks. Um, stoning someone was actually taking a big rock like this, and this is really, this is a pretty heavy rock, but they would stand 10 or 15 feet over the person's body and hold them down and they would drop the rock on their head or on their chest in order to kill them. And if they didn't kill him, they just kept doing it until he finally died, stoning. And what's very interesting about that story is the first martyr, guess who was in charge of that? Saul. They laid their cloaks at Saul's feet and he's the one who authorized the killing, the first martyr that we find in the New Testament. His name is Stephen. And who was behind that? Saul. And so, you know, what's very interesting about that is, and once again, I shared with you all last week, Saul, um, you know, um, I, I, I talked about blind ambition. And what does blind ambition do? It blinds you. And maybe we've all been in that place in our lives. I mean, the idea that sometimes blind ambition really keeps us from pleasing God. So, for example, um, once upon a time, um, I was um, actually, um, when I was in Miami, um, and I went to, a, I was invited as an associate. Once again, it has to do with maturing. And we think about our, um, what Paul is talking about and growing in our relationship. It, sometimes when it has to do with maturing in our relationship, who I am today is not, and once I, I, let me tell you something, I wish I could reel back some things in my life. I wish I could hit the redo button. Can I get amen on that? But I can't, you know? So I'm in Miami, and so they asked me to, I'm the associate pastor, and they asked me to go down to the homeless shelter and do the devotion. So I go down, and I go to the homeless shelter, and I go to the homeless shelter in a suit. Now, who does that? I did, right? And why did I do that? It's because I was so insecure. So my, my suit was a sense of security. I should have gone in a, some blue jeans and a T-shirt. And that, maybe a t-shirt says, pleasing God, question mark. And so I have to ask myself, in the midst of that, was I really pleasing God that morning? Was that really more, was that about my devotion or about Harold? Or here's another one. Um, when I was um, in Miami, I, um, we had to, we would have a homeless um, the homeless people would come because we were downtown Miami and the homeless people we have before church, we would give them d coffee and donuts and they would come by the hundreds. 
You know, you're giving out free coffee and donuts in downtown Miami in the 1980s, early 90s. They came, they're wined out the door. They loved the donuts and the coffee. It was free. And then they would have a little devotion. So then I got this idea of being the brand new associate. I said, you know what, Here's, why, don't I, why don't I go get some Bibles? I'll order some Bibles and then, and then I can have a devotion. Maybe some guys out of the hundreds might, maybe I'll get five to 10 guys that would like to stay after and have a devotion with me and I could do like a little Bible study with them. And I thought that's a pretty good idea before church. And so I, I did that. I ordered the Bibles. I had a case of them and I invited them all to come and no one showed up. And then, so I tried it again the next week. And then um, one guy says, he, he comes to me, he says, hey, pastor, can I have one of them Bibles? And I said, um, well, um, I've, I have my Bibles, but they're part of my Bible study. So um, if you'll stay for the Bible study, I will give you the Bible. And he says, well, I can't stay for the Bible study. And I said, well, you can't have the Bible. I know you are thinking your pastor's an idiot. And I am. <laughs> I'm just being completely transparent because I'm thinking, you know, I've got all these Bibles and I, I might need these Bibles for the ones who really, really want to get into the Bible study, right? And no one came. So a uh, true story. About a year or so later, a year or so later, I, I'm fumbling around the pulpit in our, in our fellowship hall in downtown Miami and I, guess what? I find the case of Bibles and the case is still full of Bibles. And none of them were used. Now listen, if I could rewind that in my life, I would redo that over again. And so I have to ask myself, was that pleasing to God? So we have this theme today. We have this, this idea that Paul is encouraging the early Christians, the Thessalonians. And so Paul is... Um, What's very interesting, let me just teach for a second. I think this is fascinating. So Paul has gone to Thessalonia, uh, Thessaloniki. And by the way, Thessaloniki is a really important place. Paul was a genius, by the way, when it came to planting churches. And usually when he planted churches, they were on the trade route because he had a lot of traffic going through there. So Thessaloniki was, um, was one of the part along the Roman trade route. And so um, Paul goes there. He's there about, about three weeks. And, he's, and, it's, and he says, hey, listen, he gets a following. He starts talking about Jesus. So he, the Bible says that there were some prominent women that followed Paul. There were, some, um, uh, there were a few Jewish people, very few. And then there were, um, there were a, a few other uh, Greeks. There were actually Roman citizens. They called them God-fearers. They followed Paul. And so, um, so Paul, once again, Paul always finds himself in trouble, right? So he's at a guy's name, he's hanging out and living, or actually staying at a guy's name, house, his name is Jason. And so um, Jason is taking care of Paul, and then all of a sudden the, the mob, there's a, basically a lynch mob that shows up at Jason's house and knocks on the door and says, we know that Paul's here, we've come to get him. And so literally, evidently, Jason's been tipped off. He, he knows the, the mob's coming. They hide uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy. And so, um, they, um, so they take Jason from his house. They actually put him in prison. And he gets, makes bond. He gets out of prison. All the while, there are these early Christians actually are able to smuggle Paul out of Thessaloniki. And he goes down to a little town called Berea. Just down the road. It's about, I don't know, maybe 35, 40 miles so he begins a church there, and he begins to preach. And guess what happens? The mob and Thessaloniki follow Paul. 
down to Berea and stir up trouble there. And then once again, Paul has to flee for his life. And he goes down all the way down to Athens. He gets up on a ship. He finds himself there. And then he ends up finding himself in Corinth. And it's out of when he's in Corinth. He's actually in Corinth about maybe a year and a half. He starts to really worry about his early Christians in the church at Thessaloniki. And so he, he sends Timothy back because he's worried about them. He's encouraging them. He sends Timothy as an ambassador. And, you know, I look around this room and I think we got a lot of great ambassadors. I mean, there, there's reference in it. You know, guess what? I, I can't do all the pastoral calls, but I tell you what, we've got some great CCNs and we've got some Stephen ministers who do fabulous ministry who are representing our staff and who are just, I mean, and what I love about that, and by the way, I can test, give you a testimony of that. When I was run over and, um, and I, was in the, um, I was in the hospital that week, Bishop Carter, who really loved me, he loves me, he couldn't come. Guess what he did? He sent his... He sends Alex Shanks, his assistant, to come see me. I saw Alex yesterday. I said, Alex, I'll never forget how much, I want you to know how much I really appreciate you coming to see me in the hospital. So, you know, what I love about part of this story is that we need great ambassadors. So Paul sends Timothy as an ambassador to go back to the church of Thessaloniki. And so he's worried because he thinks they're going to be tanking. They're under persecution. And Timothy comes back and says, Paul, they're not tanking. They're thriving. Wow, they're thriving? Yes. So Paul writes this letter back to him and continues to encourage them. And he says, Don't, here, oh, you ready? There are many excerpts that you find in Thessalonians. And here's the interesting thing. He knows that this early church is throwing him under the bus. And he also knows this. The devil is the author of all lies. Can we amen on that? The devil is the author of all lies. He's going to do everything he can to manipulate and confuse people. And he says, don't buy into the lie. I am not trying to trick you. You can see a text there. He says, I'm not greedy. I'm not trying to take advantage of you. In my fact, I was working as a tent maker to make a living because I didn't want to take advantage of you. Paul lays it all up. Don't buy into the lie, right? And then we find this great little piece of scripture in the second chapter of 1 Thessalonians. He talks about, well, the idea, what does it mean to be worthy of God? So what's it mean to be pleasing to God, but what does it mean to be worthy of God? And so when Paul talks about being worthy of God, he really wraps it around the word love. And so what does it mean? And once again, Paul and Jesus are running kind of really completely, really parallel when it comes to about being in love, when it comes to the idea of what it means to be worthy of God. And it all is wrapped around loving God and loving your neighbor. And now Mr. Wesley would couple that in the word holiness. If you want to be holy, it has to do with loving God and loving your neighbor. Matter of fact, I thought this was a really, let me just read to you real quick and then we'll wrap this up. And I, I think it's really powerful when he talks about, and listen to this from 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus guide us on our way back to you May the Lord cause you to increase and enrich your love for each other and for everyone in the same way as we also love you. May the love cause your hearts to be strengthened, to be blameless and holy before our God and Father when our Lord and Savior Jesus with all his people come again. And so I really, once again, I love this theme about the idea about being loving the idea of holiness and the idea of holiness is connected with worthiness. And we are, well, you know, once again, we are, none of us are worthy of God's love, but God continues to love us anyway. 
And God says, listen, if you're gonna be worthy, continue to work on that. Continue to work on pleasing God and continue to be able to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. And what's very interesting, we look at the word fidelity, the idea of faithfulness. Faithfulness really means two things for Paul here. It means being steadfast, hold on, don't give up, you're persecuted. I know you're being, you're, you're being beaten down, but being faithful, but also faithful means to be ultimate. When you think about a relationship with our spouse, it has to do with, I mean, we think about being faithful or unfaithful. You can talk about being um, infidelity, get the word connected with faithfulness. And infidelity means that you've cheated on someone. But you know what's interesting? The word infidelity, it's not with Paul, in the context of Paul and about being faithfulness and being faithful. It has to do with being loving someone and taking care of them and being caring to them and being kind to them and, and being gracious to them and putting them first. It's about being selfless love. Can they amen on that? And so when we have been, you know what, you talk about being unfaithful to your spouse or it's not just about sexuality. No, no, no. It's about when you haven't put them first and haven't been, um, been completely being selfless, but you've been selfish. And I've done that in my life. There have been times in my life and there have been times in my marriage and there have been times in my relationship with my children, I've been more selfish than rather being selfless. But that's really not what, when it comes to our loving relationship with God's all about. So I close with this little um, story. Um, I, I, you know, I, I got a picture of my grandfather, and um, I love my grandfather. My grandfather, Dr. G.R. Tomlin, um, was a brilliant preacher, and he came um, from the hills of Kentucky. He was a true circuit rider, um, a brilliant man, a brilliant preacher. And I love my grandfather. And, uh, but I learned a lot from my grandfather about this prayer. I remember when I was a little boy, I was about six years old. We were standing um, with my grandfather, my mother and father there, and um, my sister, and we were standing in his one little bitty apartment. He lived a very simple, frugal life. He was uh, over 60 years in the, in the Kentucky Conference, preached, rode a horse, and they, when then he finally ended up getting an impala, um, Shepherd Lake. Okay, so he moved up. But I remember, forget the night that I got really sick. I don't know, they, they thought maybe I had appendicitis. And here's the amazing thing my grandfather knew everybody in Wilmore, Kentucky. So, guess what? In the middle of the night, like two o'clock in the morning, a doctor came and saw me. I, can you imagine a doctor doing a house call? Good luck on that, right? So, the doctor came and saw me. He started poking around my abdomen. And I, this is what I remember about my grandfather. My grandfather was always on his knees. Always on his knees. I remember him falling to his knees by the couch and he began to pray for me. And this was just a pattern in his life. And there would be times when I would go visit with him and the, um, throughout my, my childhood and my, um, my adolescence and so we would stay with him. And I noticed there was some trend that was going on with my grandfather. My grandfather, would, and I, he would go after breakfast and after lunch and then just before his bed, he would go into his bedroom and so I was always wondering and intrigued by what he was doing. So being kind of inquisitive and sneaky, I would crack the door and peek into his room. And this is what my grandfather was doing. By his bed. He was on his knees, praying. He prayed every single day. After breakfast, after lunch, 
he dismissed himself and he went to his bedroom. He's on his knees. Before he went to bed at night, on his knees. And the reason why I tell you that story is is because there's something profound about that that's different from being in vogue or what's trending or what's in style. Because this was a part of my grandfather's DNA. It was a part of what his entrenched in his life. It's about exactly what I'm talking about today, what Paul's two key words about pleasing to and worthy of God's love. And this, this, this never goes out of style. Amen.